Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the Paulista Girl Show. Uh, as always, uh, it's three o'clock, three o six or so, in uh, Atterboro, Massachusetts. Beautiful day we're having today, um, as opposed to we've been downpoured with rain all of uh, this past, uh, you know, week or two weeks rather. Uh, at any rate, we're gonna we have a full show on tap for you today. A few events that we have going on um, in the in the city. I wanted to mention tomorrow. We have the walk-in registration for fall 2019 for the Atterboro uh, uh, Whitehawks, um, Atterboro Hawks uh, football. So that's going to be from 8 a.m. to 1 p.m. Uh, this uh, tomorrow afternoon, and that's going to be at the Bar Tech uh, Recreation Center over here on 81 Pine Street in Atterboro. So if anyone is interested in that, you can of course um, stop by there. Uh, so it, and it's online too if you if you met, if you miss it. Um, also, there's another event happening uh, July 19th. This is a paint night for the Vietnam vets, the moving wall that's coming uh, to Atterboro. Uh, they're going to have a paint night at the Elks. Uh, and that's going to be July 19th from uh, 6 p.m. to 11 p.m. And that's at 80, uh, 887 South Main Street. All the proceeds that are um, raised at, during that night, they're going to do raffles and they're, they're selling tickets. All the proceeds will go directly to help offset the costs associated with the Vietnam uh, Vets Moving Wall that is coming to Atterboro on September 26th to September 30th. So those are uh, the two uh, main things I really wanted to get um, across to everyone. And of course, as you guys know, I'm sure uh, Dominic and Paul Healy have been announcing it as well. Um, uh, my, myself and along with one of my friends, we're actually conducting a, a sharing sunshine and smiles drive. Uh, so and the goal of this is to help combat homelessness in the state of Massachusetts. Now, there are over 20,000 families, veterans and adult uh, youth homeless that were uh, estimated to be in mass in uh, 2018. So uh, we're going to be donating all of the all of our collections to Lynn Ministries who is a uh, nonprofit public charity uh, whose focus is um, the homeless population around Brockton, Foxborough, Taunton, Attleboro, and surrounding areas by providing prayer, food, and necessary provisions, and by facil uh, facilitating a connection to local churches and community resources. We're going to be collecting um, items until July 7th. And there, you can always come in here, drop them off at WACS uh, TV Studios, which is 42 Union Street, uh, the Dance Factory, in Attleboro, 35 Park Street, they'll be collecting donations until May 23rd because uh, they have the recitals and it's going to get busy later on. And then, of course, uh, where my friend uh, works is the Wibbledon uh, 109 Tennis Club on 20 County Street in Walpole, also a donation spot. We, like I said, we have a full show on tap. We're going to be doing, uh, for the first half, we actually have a guest uh, who is will be joining us via our phone lines, uh, Eric Montero, who we mentioned um well, I've mentioned it on, uh, if I can talk, we mentioned it uh, online uh, through social media as well as uh, Dominic Atoy also mentioned it. Uh, he was a filmmaker in California who recently made a short film uh, titled Fish Hook, a Portuguese love story. So we will be discussing uh, that with him momentarily. We'll be uh, talking with him until about uh, 3.45 our time, Eastern time. And then for the second half of the show, folks, we're going to be doing... Um, I decided to do a Frank Sinatra tribute show because uh, over the past uh, week um, I posted online, it was May 14th was the 21st anniversary of uh, Frank Sinatra's passing. So I figured we would do uh, the last hour dedicated to uh, Frank Sinatra. So if anyone wants to hear a specific song, 
always feel free to call us in or uh, send me an email at paulo at wararadio.com and then I will be sure to play your um, uh, your request for the second half. But anyway, let's get right to the chase. Uh, Eric should be joining us through the phone lines. Eric, are you with us? Hi, uh, yes. Paulo, how are you? I'm well. How are you? Uh, very good, thanks. Thanks for having me on today. Oh, my pleasure. And so I uh, I saw your original, uh, I believe I found it was through social media. I saw a post and I got to watch uh, the film, which was a great film in my opinion. Um, oh, could, thank you. Absolutely. Could you tell uh, our listeners a little bit about who you are and, and what you what you do? Uh, sure, yes. Uh, well, first of all, again, thanks for having me on. Uh, ever since I found out you had a show, I've been listening and I've, I've been enjoying it. And I think uh, what you do is very good for the community. And I, I hope you continue to do so um, because I know I'm enjoying listening to it. Um, uh, anyway, uh, my name's Eric and uh, I'm from the San Francisco Bay Area originally. Um, where, as you know, there's a lot of uh, Portuguese descendants uh, in that area and in the Central Valley of California. And so <clears throat> my family was uh, was of Portuguese uh, descent. My father was um, born and raised in uh, the city of Angra in Terceira, island of the Azores, while my mother's family was primarily from um, the island of San Jorge, the Freguesia of uh, North Grande. And so, as you can imagine, I've got quite a bit of um, Portuguese culture in my blood uh, throughout my life. And so, uh, from the Bay Area, I moved down to Los Angeles, where I'm living now with my wife, as we're working on our um, our passion to uh, make uh, movies and television shows. Um, and so, uh, that's that's where that's where I'm at right now. Absolutely. I'll tell you, uh, my father was also from Terceira. He was from um, Praia de Victoria, uh, but most of, most of my family came from uh, San Miguel. So my mother's side, is long, along with my uh, grandparents from uh, my father's side, uh, were from San Miguel. And then uh, my dad's side immigrated to Terceira, where they worked on the Air Force Base for a little bit. And then eventually immigrated to the United States around like the late, uh, it was the late 70s or so. It was about 77 um, I believe when my, my father came and then my mother uh, shortly thereafter. So it was interesting when we first talked and got to hear you from Traceda. It was, you know, it's, it's amazing because what people don't realize uh, I did a research project once in college and uh, Northern, right. Northern California, I, I, what I did was I looked at immigration waves in uh, regards to uh, the Portuguese. And Northern sure. California has... Um, the highest uh, Portuguese-American population in the United States, followed by, of course, um, the New England area. So it was, it's, of it's really interesting to see how um, and when and why and, um, uh, the Portuguese-Americans immigrated to where they did. And it was, uh, you know, we look back to the whaling industry and whatnot. So it's, uh, it's great. Right. Uh, one, it's great what you're doing, and it's really a pleasure to, to hear another Portuguese-American really contributing out there to the, the community. Yeah, doing what I can, that's for sure. And uh, it really helps to have the, the community support. Um, in fact, that's one of the reasons why my latest movie, my short film called Fish Hook, um, was conceived uh, partly in, in part by my love for the Portuguese culture. And it is, in fact, a love letter uh, to my Portuguese-American culture. And I knew that if nobody else wanted to see this movie, 
that at least I, I knew there was a Portuguese community that would be interested in seeing this movie, so I would have some audience. And that's kind of what uh, drove me to, to start making this movie. Absolutely. We're going to take a quick break, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to get back um, right after our short break, and we're going to talk more about um, uh, Eric Montero's short film, uh, Fishhook, and discuss more of the motivations behind it, uh, things that I found really interesting that were incorporated into the film, and then uh, we'll dive more uh, deep into it. So we'll stick around. We'll be right back after these messages. And welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the Paul Sargero Show. We will be here until 5 o'clock uh, uh, this afternoon, Eastern Time. Um, at any rate, so we're on the we're joined by Eric Montero from uh, the San Francisco Bay Area. Uh, we're going to be discussing his short film Fish Hook. So, uh, Eric, could you tell us a little bit about uh, what the film is in general, and then uh, maybe uh, what motivated you to uh, to conduct the film? Uh, sure, um, it's a, a short story about a Portuguese fisherman who um, is having a bad day fishing, uh, not having any luck whatsoever, and uh, until he finds this magical fish hook. And he soon discovers that this fish hook can bring him anything that he wants out of the ocean, um, whether it's um, a fish or maybe a superbok beer or a ving port, some Portuguese wine, um, and it's, it's a bit of a fantasy, of course, that turns into a love story as he meets this Portuguese fisherman. Uh, I'm sorry, this po- Portuguese fisherwoman who um, also has a uh, similar desire for this, this magical fish hook. And so, um, yeah, it's basically my love letter to Portuguese culture. It has wonderful fudge music in it. Um, it's got uh, Portuguese food, as you can imagine, natas and ving and sags, cerveja, and um, try to fill it up with as much cultural references and feeling and tastes and sounds as I could, uh, again, to satisfy uh, the Portuguese community who may be one day watching this film. Absolutely. The, the, the piece that I, I loved in it was the incorporation of the music um, uh, on our show before, we've done shows where uh, it was uh, completely dedicated to the Faldo music, and we've heard, you know, I, I, I've interviewed people regarding Faldo, but we did an entire show of Faldo, so I really, because uh, I always grew up listening to Portuguese music, mm-hmm. um, and then uh, I remember one day, finally when I met Jorge Feira, I was like, I think my Portuguese level just increased by 10%. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, so that was, uh, was that something you grew up with as well, kind of the music and the food? Did it, was all that encompassing in your, uh, your childhood and then later on? Oh, absolutely. Um, and in fact, you know, even though I was subjected to the music through different festas throughout my life or my parents playing the music at home, um, at the end of the film, I dedicate the movie to uh, three of my my avos, my grandfathers, who have have since passed. And um, it's I didn't intentionally set out to make this film for them, but when I had completed it, it hit me that there were so many inspirations throughout this story that uh, came from them. And one of them was my uh, my father's uh, father, um, uh, Valdemar Montero. Um, always having this memory of uh, of him with this old silver AM/FM radio, uh, this handheld radio that he would 
have with him at the house when he was working in the garage or outside, always listening to Portuguese radio or to uh, his favorite uh, uh, football team, uh, sport team. And um, so if you watch the movie, you see that uh, I have a radio in the movie that the fisherman uses that um, looks quite a bit like the one my, my Vol Valdemar had. And, uh, and that's kind of the why I incorporated a lot of that music and um, in, in that story. Yeah, absolutely. It was, and, and this was, uh, you know what fascinated me was that it, this was, uh, it was filmed um, in California, correct? That's correct. In Avila Beach, which is near uh, Pismo Beach, a very uh, a location that has a very large Portuguese festa um, every, every summer. It's beautiful because you, you could have fooled me. I mean, it looked so great. I mean, uh, the other part that I really enjoyed about it was um, the wardrobe of the act, the actors, uh, the actor and actress in in the film. Because I, I am not exaggerating when I tell you I have the same exact coat that uh, <laughs> the, the fisherman wears. And when I went to Portugal, it was the same idea. I saw that same coat among uh, you know different people, whether whether they're working. Um, on the farm, agri- agri- uh, agriculturally, or they're uh, the fishermen. But I'll tell you, that was one thing that I found um, accurate. One, the the film is accurate in general, meaning um, kind of it really encom- it really encompasses the Portuguese culture. But the the wardrobe was something I always paid attention to in different films to see if it was really accurate or accurately portrayed um, um, the, the culture. So I'll tell you, that was one thing I really enjoyed uh, seeing in the in the film. Well, I really appreciate you uh, pointing that out. I don't know that anyone else has really mentioned uh, the wardrobe specifically, even though it is, it is something that I pay very close attention to. Um, that coat belonged to my one of my other grandfathers, um, Tony Tost, and um, I never really thought of it as specifically a Portuguese or even a fisherman-style coat, but I knew that it was something that fit the character, and um, and again, it, it belonged to my grandfather. So for, for you to bring the, to, to notice that and to feel that it it felt uh, appropriate, um, I appreciate that. Oh, absolutely! It's it's the wardrobe, and because it, I, I don't know, maybe some people who aren't um, maybe interested in the film, but there's so many uh, kind of little things that you you want to make accurate, and like the fact that the actor has the scruff, has that five o'clock shot. I mean, anyone who's gone to uh, not just Portugal in general, but has spent time with fishermen or uh, farmers. That is accurate. That typically, uh, uh, and you know, maybe it's a little generalizing, but it's true to the point where uh, that scruff plays a role. The uh, when I mean, when I was in Portugal, our rain boots here, and that's almost like what every fisherman or agricultural person's wearing in Portugal. Right. You know, and so it's um, that's one thing I really enjoyed. I really think you did a great job with the wardrobe. And just portraying the characters accurately. I mean, you you could have fooled me. It looked like that was Portugal where you were filming. And you want to know what else is that the actor, uh, a friend of mine, James Trenton, he's not even Portuguese. Wow. Uh, but he had that look that I was going for, and he was actually my very first choice when I was started casting the movie. I I went to him first. Uh, I didn't know him before the movie. I I went to a uh, Los Angeles casting agency looking for actors for this part and this was the very first person who I, I felt like I wanted to reach out to and I figured okay well I'm sure I'm not going to get him for whatever reason he, he won't want to do it or he's unavailable 
and I'll move on to the next person. But uh, fortunately, he wanted to do it. And as you mentioned, I think he had the right look. Um, we talked a little bit about you know whether or not he needs to shave beforehand, and and I said no, don't shave. I think you look great the way you are. It's perfect for the part, and and uh, he did a wonderful role. I feel like the movie is. He is the movie. He really is. It's fun to watch. He's very cinematic, which is why the movie is actually. Um, I considered it a silent movie originally. Um, there is no dialogue really in the film. Uh, the story is told visually, and uh, I'm using just music and sound effects to tell the story. And so I had to have an actor and uh, a look that was cinematic and interesting and visual for people like you and, and others to, to find um, interesting to watch. Absolutely. And the, that's another part is that, that I really enjoyed about it. It's like you're telling a story without any dialogue, you know, and I mean, and, and you understand because it's not, um, I really appreciate how it was a love story to the Portuguese, uh, Portuguese culture, but it's still universal in the sense that anyone can really relate to that story that you're telling. Yeah, well, I, I mean, I hope so. To be honest with you, one of the very first reviews or feedback that I got um, before the movie really went public was from the husband of the actress in the film. The actress is played by the wonderfully talented Stephanie Pessoa. Now, you might think with a name like Pessoa that she's Portuguese. She actually is not Portuguese, but her husband is. And she did, in fact, live in Portugal for some time with him. Uh, it was just kind of a coincidence that she ended up in this Portuguese film. Uh, however, when she showed the movie to her husband, she told me that he was loving every minute of it, that he was understanding all the references and the food and um, things that maybe even she didn't quite pick up on at first, he was reacting to. And as soon as she told me this, I knew that I knew that it would, the film would, at the very least, not be a failure. I knew that at least it could reach the Portuguese audience, and uh, I was happy that we succeeded in doing that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's, um, like I said, I, I enjoyed uh, the wardrobe of it, the music of it, the storytelling. Um, and what also amazed me, and, I, you know, if you could uh, comment a little bit on this uh, for maybe a future, uh, you know, someone aspiring to get into film, uh, this was really well done, and it wasn't, uh, you know, a, it didn't cost you a bunch of money or even, uh, you know, um, I mean, it did cost, it took a little bit of time, but uh, could you tell a little bit about how something like this could be done successfully and it doesn't really have to put a hole in someone's pocket? Absolutely. Um, like you said, I mean, this movie only cost a few hundred dollars to make, and we shot it uh, in a day and a half over one weekend. And that's very intentional. Um, I normally think in terms of longer stories, feature-length stories, and um, I had been working on some screenplays prior to making this movie for my next couple of feature-length stories, um, and I was really missing being on set again, because that's my favorite part about making movies, is actually being on set and shooting the movie. And so the movies do take, can take very long to make, because um, there's so many variables involved, mostly the money. You have to raise the money, and that's not easy. And so I said, you know what, I don't want to let that stop me from doing what I love, making a movie. So let me go ahead and write something that I know that I can shoot very easily, very quickly on a small budget over one weekend, and I can have this movie done in a month. 
And um, that's what I did. And anybody can do this. And that's the trick is that you don't want to let the money or the expenses really keep you from telling your stories. Uh, one of the best pieces of advice that, that I've always gotten and heard from others is to write a story around that which is accessible to you. So if you have access to specific locations or equipment or uh, props or, you know, it could be anything, um, write a story around that so that your expenses are kept to a minimum and that you have connections to people who um, are in a position to be able to help you out. And so that's how I set out to make this movie is that I'm like, it's going to be two people on a pier in a, in a, in a, um, low populated area and it's not going to take much to, to make it. So, um, that, that, that's, that's what I did. And that's what I would recommend to anybody interested in making movies. Absolutely. I mean, I know, um, I've seen, uh, some film where it's, uh, it was done on a cellular device, you know, and, uh, and especially the phones nowadays, I mean, you're getting great pictures off of these, uh, videos or even, uh, uh picture wise. Um, and, uh, it's been, your film was pretty successful. I mean, given, uh, so can you tell us a little bit about kind of the uh, Port Orchard uh, Festival and kind of how uh, uh, Fish Hook uh, did? Well, absolutely. I sent the, fest, uh, the film to many festivals around the country and around the world, hoping to get a few recognitions. And uh, so far we've gotten three. First from uh, a uh, showcase, film showcase in Tampa Bay, Florida, then by um, another uh, festival in Detroit called the Metro TV Film Festival. And uh, most recently, we had our theatrical premiere in Port Orchard, Washington, at the uh, Dragonfly Cinema. It's this 100-year-old historical movie theater. And they accepted our film to be screened um, amongst about 70 other films. And we were so happy to travel up there to Port Orchard and meet the community and um, enjoy the other films, meet the other filmmakers. And uh, we walked away, surprisingly, with the Audience Award for favorite short film of the entire festival. So needless to say, we were very happy with that. That's remarkable. Again, I've congratulated you before, but again, congratulations on uh, those awards. It was really uh, well-deserved. Uh, folks, we are in studio uh, talking with Eric Montero from the San Francisco uh, Bay Area discussing his short film, uh, Fish Hook. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll come back, and we will uh, start to uh, wrap things up. So stick around. We'll be right back after these messages. And we're back, ladies and gentlemen, to the Polo Salguero Show. Uh, again, we will be here until 5 o'clock. Uh, right now, for the last 15 minutes, we are going to start to wrap our conversation up with Eric Montero, who is from uh, the San Francisco Bay Area in California, discussing his short film, uh, Fish Hook, uh, that has won uh, uh, awards and is uh, doing uh, uh, very well. Uh, Eric, if someone is, um, is interested in seeing the film, is it available uh, online now, or can they attend certain festivals to see it still? Yeah, well, that actually uh, is a tricky question, only because uh, I think the answer has changed recently. <laughs> We've been sending the film out to festivals for the last year, and uh, after Port Orchard, I felt like I was done with that, and I was going to um, put it out there publicly for people to watch. However, Port Orchard has uh, inspired me to continue sending the film out to a few more festivals just over the next few months. Since it is, it is a movie that uh, was finished in 2018, it still qualifies for festivals 
um, in the year 2019. And so I figured I'm going to give our little film um, a chance to uh, maybe get a few more recognitions if we're lucky and a few more screenings so more and more people can watch the movie perhaps in a, in a large theater with an audience. And so if you follow uh, uh, my social media, at Montero Films, either on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook, you'll be able to get updates on uh, when and where the movie might um, be showing next. Uh, however, to be honest with you, um, if anybody specifically has an interest in watching the movie, if you privately send a message to me, I may um, have not a problem. I may not have a problem sending you the link directly to watch it privately, but it cannot be shared publicly quite yet wonderful so uh, again if anyone if anyone is interested uh you can follow eric montero on social media at montero films uh, uh whether it's facebook or twitter uh or even uh instagram as well uh so i would um you know i, I know i like his page and i like to see all the updates that he has coming in because it's really uh, remarkable to see it um, Eric, was this something that, uh, were you always interested in film? Kind of how did your interest spark in uh, the film industry? Yeah, I've always been interested. In fact, I think by the time I was eight years old, I had already decided that I wanted to be making movies based on, um, based on the movies that I were watching at that time, whether it be Star Wars or Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory and a number of others. And so, um... I thought that I needed to wait until I was in college to learn how to make movies uh, before I could start making movies. And uh, I learned that I was very wrong about that. Uh, anybody can start making movies uh, at any time, especially now with how accessible the technology is. And so, yes, I've always been interested and I've always been driving towards that uh, passion and I'm still working on, the, on making it a career of mine. Um, I still have a day job, but uh, I feel like uh, we are, we're getting near to having some success to, uh, to maybe be able to do this as my, uh, my career. Absolutely. I know uh, I had always loved movies growing up. I mean, uh, anyone who knows me knows that uh, I love movies. Uh, I, I, you know, I, try, it's, I don't know if this is bad to say, but I try to watch a movie a day. Uh, right. Oh, so that's, that's, I think that's great. In fact, my uh, sorry to interrupt, there, no. but um, my uh, what is it at the beginning of the year? The uh, New Year's resolution I had at the beginning of this year was to watch one new movie every day this year, whether it be a feature film or a short film. And I was doing that for about five weeks until I I gave up. But I, I watched a lot of great new movies by doing that. And uh, I think that's great that you're trying to. Uh, as many there's so many movies out there and so it's great that you're you're trying to watch as many as possible i was wondering what what are some of the movies that you uh, enjoy watching growing up oh for me it's uh it's such a wide range i mean i love uh you know one of the one of the great the best movies for me in my opinion probably in the top it's definitely it's probably i think i'd probably rank it first well, The Godfather, I mean, I love oh, yeah. The Godfather, both uh, cinematically, the story. There's, I mean, if you take, and I've said this before, if you take all that violence out of that movie, you captured the Italian culture. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and that's what right. I really liked about it because, you know, there are a lot of misconceptions about, uh, you know, Italian immigrants or even any immigrant uh, 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 ethnicity at that point. So I really, sure. the, the Godfather, I really liked, I love the fact that, 
I can still watch that. And I mean, I don't know how many times I've watched it, but I can still say that that movie was made in the seventies and it's still such a great piece of work today. Oh, it still holds up. I rewatched them just a couple of months ago. It never gets old. It only gets better. And you're right. It's a a great choice for, uh, for one of the best films. Godfather and Godfather part two are often listed at the top of, uh, a top 100 list for, for people and uh, organizations who, who make these lists. It's, it's always near the top. Yeah, and I mean, I've gone to the point where I sometimes I'll watch it for um, kind of the, the camera side of the film, and then sometimes I'll pick like specific actors. You know, for instance, um, I really like Paul Newman and a lot of his films. Paul Newman was a, a big one for me. Al Pacino uh, was another big one. Uh, so it depends because sometimes I'm watching a movie, and, I, and I'm sure this probably happens to you too, but have you ever watched it almost from an analytical point of view and you almost have to step back and say, just enjoy the film instead of paying attention to the camera angles or, or the story like that? Uh, sure. Well, you know, once I started studying film uh, formally, because I did go to film school in San Francisco, um, that's when I really started to get distracted in the movie theater as I was watching a movie, even if it was good, I would start looking at the shots and the cinematography and the composition and the lighting and you name it. I'm, just, I'm looking at everything. And it actually did not ruin anything for me. It actually enhanced my experience and made me appreciate um, movies even more and, and you know, learning what they have to do, what they have to go through to even just to accomplish one shot you know, or one performance. And so um, I, I do find myself all the time appreciating those things, but it, it, it enhances the experience for me. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, it's, um, again, like I said, I, I gained an interest in radio and television because uh, I, when I ran for a public office here, I was on the radio and I said, you know, um, I'd like a chance to try and uh, communicate different ideas to the community and kind of educate the community through uh, radio. And then I started getting involved, and I said, you know what, if I can really tell a story through film, I want to do that too. So I didn't, and then I started doing uh, some of the film stuff here, learning the camera work and whatnot. I mean, I can tell you, it, it's a great experience for anyone. I mean, you look at the amount of movies that are made, and there's still um, enough creativity out there to continuously tell a new story. That, that's what amazes me about the film industry. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, there's so many people out there that you have a story for everybody, right? I mean, everybody has their own story. There may be similarities. They may overlap in ways, but nobody can tell um, somebody else's story as perfectly as they can. You know, everybody has their own story. And to go back to what you were talking about, how your interest and experience in radio, I'm not sure if you know, but um, James Trenton, who's the lead uh, actor in uh, Fishhook, he is actually a, a radio personality. He has his own show every uh, morning, Monday through Friday, in the Southern California, Orange County, KOCI 101.5. He's actually a big-time radio personality in the Los Angeles area for about 34, 40 years now. Um, and I, I did not know of him growing up because I'm not from Los Angeles. Um, I only learned of him when I, when I moved down to L.A. and then, of course, cast him uh, without even knowing that he was a radio personality. But he's got his own show, and uh, I just find that interesting since you, uh, you, do, you, you do the same thing. Yeah, absolutely. I'll have to reach out to him, too, uh, see if, he was, if he's interested in being on. You know, it, it's interesting. For the past 
several interviews I've had, uh, you know, just recently was Tom Dreesen, who's out in California. And now I, I had you from California. I was like all West Coast uh, 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 interviewee. So it, it's been nice. I mean, uh, right. I, 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 believe it or not, I still have yet to take a trip out to uh, California. But from the pictures, I mean, it really does look like an amazing state to be in. Oh, it's beautiful. You'll feel like home with the Portuguese community. And uh, give me a call if you ever come out. I'll show you around. Will do. Eric, uh, I want to thank you again for coming on. And as our listeners know, we always like to wrap up our conversations with uh, the, the question I always ask uh, our guests. If you could talk to anyone from history, uh, alive or have, have gone on and passed, and you can ask them one question, who would you want to talk to and what would you want to ask them? Well, that's a little bit uh, tough for me, to be honest with you, to, to give you a really good answer or maybe even um, the, the best answer. But I'm going to go with something which is probably <laughs> going to be boring to you and your listeners. But uh, Steven Spielberg is, is probably my all-time um, uh, hero in terms of uh, his the career, you know, as far as what he does and what he's inspired me to do. So. I think I'd like to talk to him. And then, of course, then you've got, got to figure out, well, which question? What is the one question I would ask? Well, I can't decide on any one good, perfect, overall question that would represent, you know, everything. So uh, I would have to go with something um, so minute and trivial, such as there's this one shot in the fourth Indiana Jones film, The Crystal Skull where Indiana Jones is inside of a truck with his son and they're tied up and his son throws him a knife in order for him to cut the rope from his hands. And for a second, you hear the sound effect of a tear, a ripping sound, as if maybe he tore his pants or maybe he tore uh, a hole in the side of this truck and they lost the knife. But then there's never any explanation. There's no payoff. There's no anything. It's just kind of, it kind of hangs out there with no explanation. Now, I know it sounds trivial, and I know that it is, but it's one fun thing that's never been answered or discussed in any interview or print magazine with him or anybody attached to the movie that's always bothered me, and I would probably, just so that I, I knew I wouldn't be satisfied asking him the great advice of his career, like I would always walk away probably feeling that I, I asked the wrong question. But I know that if I could just get that answer, that question answered, then at least I have that information. And so that, that would be it. Yeah, I mean, I think he would appreciate it that you really picked up on something uh, film-wise or something so specific in, uh, in his work. You know what I mean? So that's a really uh, – uh, both, both. I'll tell you what, that was the first time someone's ever said Steven Spielberg uh, as uh, the answer of the question. So I appreciate that too. Well, that just shows what, what kind of a film nerd I am. But, uh, <laughs> I, I have no shame when it comes to that. He's my he's my favorite. Absolutely. Eric, again, thank you so much for joining us. If I can ever assist you in any way or if you want to come back on, you know the uh, – well, I can't say the door is always open, because, <laughs> but the, the phone line is always open. Uh, Paulo, thank you so much. I hope that – and I'm sure we will uh, work, work together in some capacity and uh, – I will follow up with you off the air um, and uh, to discuss more. Absolutely. Thank you again, Eric. Thanks for having me. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen. It's Eric Montero from the San Francisco Bay Area. Uh, again, uh, it was a remarkable conversation. I really enjoyed it discussing his film, 
uh, fish hook. So stick around. We're going to take our, our another quick break before the last uh, 50, before the last 15 minutes of the uh, hour, and then we're going to go into our Frank Sinatra uh, tribute show. So if anyone has a request of a Frank Sinatra song they'd like to hear today, you can always call in at 508-222-1320. Or if you can send me an email at paulo at wararadio.com, and you can send your request that way. So stick around. We'll be right back after these messages. <laughs> 